Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week, we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I am so looking forward to this hour bringing you this topic. Um, It's never been more important than right now, right here. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about regenerative leadership. The new leadership paradigm has to be regenerative. So what does that mean? Well, Our guest today says it's based on the logic of life and rooted in the wisdom of nature. This new regenerative paradigm is about becoming more creative, authentic, purposeful, compassionate, and more in tune with life, the life within us and the life all around us. Regenerative leadership embraces both the inner and outer technologies, tools, and consciousness that are required for a new regenerative paradigm to unfold. Okay, that's a lot right there. What does all this mean for you? Navigating all this evolutionary change in the world, these whole systems break down, the emerging new technologies, this liminal space we feel ourselves in, we are going to find out. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment and settle into your essential wholeness. As I introduce our guest, Giles Hutchins is a pioneering practitioner, keynote speaker, advisor, and executive coach at the forefront of a revolution in leadership consciousness and organizational development. He applies consciousness-raising modalities, deep-dive nature immersions, embodiment work, ancient wisdom traditions, and future fit organizational development approaches. And he's also on the cutting edge of really integrating and synthesizing all of this amazing research with the new consciousness. It's so exciting to read this book. So in these transformational times, Giles stimulates the headspace and the heart knowing for forward leaning leaders and organizations to come to become more vibrant, purposeful, and future fit. He's the author of four books, and the most recent with co-author Laura Storm is Regenerative Leadership, the DNA of life-affirming 21st century organizations. Welcome back to the show, Giles. Oh, it's lovely to be here again, Julie. Uh, good to good to hear your voice and, and looking forward to co-creating with you on the call. Absolutely. Thank you. I am I am looking forward to this too. And I, I'm just as a brief introduction before I ask you my traditional first question. I hope the leaders could hear in my voice how excited I am about this new book. I feel like every human on the planet needs to read it. So um, 7 billion copies, 8 billion copies. I don't know how many we're going to need by the time this show airs. But wow, this book is imperative. So Giles, thank you for, for writing this with Laura. I look forward to meeting her too. But first, let's ask you that traditional first question. 
And yes, I asked you when you were on the show before, and what I'm finding is the wisdom and genius that comes through even the second and third times I ask guests are really moving. And so if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you today, Giles? Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, you said right at the beginning there, so breaking through this illusion of separation. I I have a, an immense sort of faith in in humanity um, and our capacity as human beings to <clears throat> evolve. Uh, we've got ourselves in a bit of a pickle uh, for various reasons, and I would say that the underlying kind of cause of that um, is this illusion of separation that we create. Mm. And so cutting through that illusion of separation um, is when we start embodying the interconnectedness of how life is. It's naturally that way. It's a peeling back. It's an opening up. It's a revealing. Um, Often we think, gosh, we have to go through some sort of advanced next stage development or so forth. But actually, we naturally do this as human beings. We naturally sense the interconnectedness of life. The problem is, is that for much of our day-to-day busyness, we are caught up in distraction and separation. So there, we just need to use some powerful, timeless techniques that allow us to open up to how life really is. Mm, Beautiful. I like how you said we've got ourselves in a bit of a pickle. And I, as I hear that, I'm, I'm reminded of your beautiful chapter on this illusion of separation. You do a great job writing about the root of this current crisis we find ourselves in. And the book takes us on the journey of separation and toward a new journey of reconnection. Why don't we start right there with that history and really that opportunity that's that's before us right now. Tell us a little bit from your perspective, Giles, and how you write in the book about this, our journey of separation and then reconnection. Yeah. So I think for the vast majority of human history, about 90% of the time, as far as we can understand, piecing together um, archaeological evidence, we see that actually we had a a deep sense of interconnectedness with life. And um, biologists like uh, Edward Wilson and so forth have, 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 have shared that we have this innate biophilic connection to life. It's part of who we are as human beings. Recently, uh, which is only a couple of hundred years, um, it seems specifically with the kind of scientific revolution, we we really increased our sense of separation. Now, on my own exploration, I found that actually the roots of that separation happened much earlier, Um, still quite late in our human history, but Uh, around the early parts of really civilization forming, um, the advent of uh, agriculture, of of, of a monetary system, of the written word, of of linear time, um, uh, patriarchal conquests, a kind of, we see an honoring of of, 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 of prioritization of the sky god, 
and their deprioritization of, 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 of the Earth Goddess or Mother Earth uh, all seems to go hand in hand with a rising level of aggression, um, and perhaps what one might say a more a focused priority on some of the more masculine um, tendencies that we have within our awareness. And that also goes hand in hand with a focus on outer, on outer form, function, what gets measured gets done, um, what we see in the world around us, and it starts to impoverish the inner dimension of life, how the, the, the metaphysical and the psychological. Um, and it also comes with a sense of humans separate from nature and humans separate from each other. As I said, that, that, that started happening, we can see that happening in Western Europe from around uh, the time of around 200, 2000 BC, um, really accelerating um, with the Greek and Roman Empire. But actually, there was still in medieval Europe um, quite strong vestiges of a sense of connectedness with nature and with life and with each other. Um, it really, the kind of individualism that we have today in society seemed to take root through the scientific revolution, through um, a more focus on outer inventions and technology um, and a, a, a kind of rationalistic science. So we seem to get more and more caught up in our left-brained hemisphere, to use the words of the neuroscientist Emma Gilchrist, where we see bits and bytes, we measure um, um, and compartmentalize the world around us, but we actually de-emphasize the interconnectedness of how life really is. And so that sense of separation comes with great advances in modern medicine, technology, transportation, digitization, all of which we enjoy today. Nothing wrong with that way of attending, except it comes at the expense of how the interconnectedness of how life really is. So it's like the left brain hemisphere starts to dominate the right brain hemisphere. And what we're what we're seeing now in this journey um, beyond that into reconnection again is an opportunity to start rebalancing the left and right brain and hemisphere, the head and the heart, um, ourselves with others, with nature and that inner and outer. So it's a kind of rebalancing. One might argue that we went on that journey of separation, perhaps for some form of evolutionary reason. It's helped us gain perspective of our own consciousness and our own sense of self. The danger is, is if we get caught up in that sense of separateness, that we forget the beauty and awesomeness of this reality. Mm. Yeah, you know, as I'm listening to you talking about those, and, and it's brilliant how you describe them in the book, because it gives the, the reader really a, a deeper embodied sense of understanding. But as you're talking about rebalancing, Giles, I'm wondering, um, I too believe that that perhaps this served an evolutionary potential, you know, it served in our development as a species. Do you feel like, you know, some are feeling like we're swinging back to the opposite, right? Like we're swinging from the outer to the inner, we're swinging from the masculine to the feminine, we're swinging to the right brain. But really in this rebalancing, what are you noticing with those that you work with? Is it a pendulum swing that helps us kind of stabilize again in that perfect balance or we are we doing this polarization dance now what are you what are you noticing well i think first of all uh, the, the more we understand about how life really works the more we see that it is really quite intricate and uh, immense in its 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 patterns it's non-linear so we like to think of things, okay, we're moving from one step to another, or the pendulum is swinging from left to right. Actually, what goes on is this kind of spiraling 
um, I use the figure of eight quite a lot. And, and in that, the unconscious and the conscious are kind of churning each other up. Um, so, you know, this, if you think about the rhythm of the year, um, spring, summer, autumn, winter, going into spring again, that death bringing the rebirth that goes on and if you think about it from one stage going into a next a, a sort of strange attractor forming a new level of consciousness then it flickers it moves from one state to the next so as energy starts forming in the new state um, the old state starts flickering becomes more unstable and in that process of it becoming more unstable it can also collapse back to earlier stages and yet that is all part of a process of it upstretching, moving into another level. And so you have that flickering going on, whilst you also have the figure of eight spiraling going on. And that's what we're finding today in this time of breakdown and breakthrough. There's all sorts of uncomfortable um, triggers that are bringing out our shadow side, all sorts of things that are coming out. Um, hence why we see sometimes the rise of extremism or polarization, um, all of which are part of a natural evolutionary change. Mm. So I'm going to pause right now and just have you do a little forecasting for our listeners before we dig back into this leadership, because um, my little my little side journey here is really about our leadership in the biggest sense. So what you are seeing, what we're all seeing as this um, evolution of governance on the planet is really part of the breakdown and leading to those breakthroughs. What, what can you help our listeners um, understand about this evolutionary process with governance because we're noticing it everywhere right where you live where i live we've we've had this chaos um emerging and surfacing but yet in my opinion it serves our evolutionary potential where we're we already have the breakthroughs we already have the emergence what can you say about governance and this process of evolution yeah so we could we run the risk of approaching things with the same level of consciousness that created our problems in the first place. That's the easy thing to do is the system flickers as we go through breakdown, breakthrough. It's very easy to control, to go into power and control mode, to go into fear, the natural response to any volatility. So one, we have to just accept that and, and, and be empathic to that. But the challenge is not to get stuck on it. Uh, to then move through it into a different level of consciousness. And the fundamental shift that we're seeing is a shift from a mechanistic perspective that breaks things down into bits and bytes and that only sees the parts. The organization is a machine, for instance. The economy is a machine. Um, to actually recognizing that everything in life is a living system, whether that be the organization, whether that be our governance and social systems, whether that be a city, uh, whether that be um, the humanity as a whole, all of which is emergent and has certain properties to it that we can sense into naturally as living systems that we are ourselves. So um, there's a rebalancing. Um, as I say, there's a left and right brain hemisphere, not just systems thinking, but systemic awareness and what we call in the book ecosystemic awareness. And now an example, let me give you an example. It would be easy with the climate change issues that we have today to either go into denial, that's the first sort of step, um, or to um, respond with, okay, the problem 
can be articulated and can be broken down into a bite-sized chunk um, and we can measure it. That's carbon or carbon equivalents. So we're going to go after that. We're going to make everything um, green energy. We're going to do that. And we're going to not think of the systemic um, in implications of what climate change really is about, which is our whole relationship to life and how we're living on this planet uh, as a living planet. And so we might, for instance, in that mindset, whilst trying to provide a solution, um, think that it's okay to have significant um, islands covered in palm oil that are sequestering carbon or using a, 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 a plant that's growing fast. Um, and that can condone deforestation or a electro dam, which condones flooding a whole wetland and displacing villages. Um, because we see things in a mechanistic perspective, we're just looking at carbon. Anything that reduces carbon is good. Let's go for that. And it's simple to do. And we need that kind of logic to a certain extent to sort of project manage and engineer solutions. But when we just see the world through that lens, then we miss out all of the interconnections of how life really works, and we just create problems elsewhere. So we need to, as we shift into this next stage of consciousness with our governance approaches, recognize that this is fundamentally about our relationship with life and how we as human beings are living on a living interconnected planet. We have all the technology um, that can enable us to see that and understand that. But what we don't have yet is the will within politics and governance and business uh, leadership. We still tend to see nails and use hammers to hit the nails, or we try and find a problem and find a solution. And so we see this with climate change. You know, Let's focus on climate change. Let's focus on the war on carbon. Um, let's focus on the SDGs, the Sustainable De Development Goals, goals go a step further in that they have a number of them, including partnerships, but still they're boxed up um, and they can be treated quite separately. Um, yes, that's a step in the right direction. So it's, it's a good thing that we're moving in that direction. And yet it still doesn't necessarily uh, bring the quality of consciousness that we really need. So what we need in governance today is people that are equipped with systems thinking, systemic awareness and ecosystemic awareness, which is what we talk about in the book as the fundamental shift to being a regenerative leader. Yeah, and I love that section. And I, I love even just hearing the word ecosystemic awareness. It, it It's uplifting. And so I'm going to just kind of pause here with one of the threads that you just pulled through, because I think it's really important that we cannot move forward with the old way of thinking the old consciousness that created these problems, like Einstein says. And so to solve our challenges and be more sustainable in the future, we must shift to this regenerative way of relating with the world around us. Can you, can you speak more about the levels of consciousness and how we're moving toward whole system transformation through this? You call it, I, I love how you're calling um, this shift of what you're teaching in the book, regenerative leadership consciousness, but it does fall right in line with all the research on the levels of consciousness and the evolution of consciousness. Can you speak more about that? Yeah. So there are, as you well know, there's lots of uh, brilliant minds that have explored human consciousness and the evolution of human consciousness. Um, I mean, in business, we tend to use um, spiral dynamics, 
because that is a good model um, that a lot of people um, see as well well researched and so forth. So the levels um, that we use in Spiral Dynamics and that Frederick Leloux work uses in his work and, and Ken Wilber uses in Integral Psychology um, are really those are of a kind of orange um, capitalist logic, machine logic, uh, meritocracy, innovation, um, driving things forward. It's got the good, good qualities but tends to see things uh, as a very individualistic lens, um, driving things forward for self-gain. And then you had the green level that kind of was an evolution out of that, where actually we see things more as a family. Um, we value the externalities of the uh, social and environmental impacts that come from that capitalist logic. And we start to bring in sustainability. Yet we still fundamentally see the organization as separate and we still fundamentally see humans as separate from nature. Um, the, then what Claire Graves, for instance, the uh, developmental psychologist behind a lot of the spiral dynamics work, explored in America, actually, um, was that there was then evidence way back. This is a few decades ago. There was already evidence of another a, a sort of a next level of a way of seeing the world coming through, which is a big step change from the orange and green that we still see dominant in, in, in today's organizations. And that next level is really where we start to see the living systems in things. We see the interconnectedness. We, as you put it, we break through that illusion of separation. Now that comes with an existential shift in ourselves. It's a psychological shift. Now, sometimes that can come through an epiphany, a life-changing moment, um, or, or multiple shifts that we have, or some really good um, spiritual or emotional development, um, or a midlife crisis or a dark night of the soul. And what happens is um, we start to, the way in which our self, our ego self, relates to the world around us permeates. We're more interconnected with how life works. Now, the most powerful method I've found for helping that natural shift occur is by taking people out into nature. We've developed little powerful ways that even if it's just for one day, 9.30 to 4.30, we can take leaders out into nature and, and help them sense that shift. They may not then permanently have that shift inside themselves because that requires us building our own muscle and our own practice. But first, having that embodied shift of how we see the world. And the good news is it's not something new. It's not like, oh, my gosh, we see the world differently. We just remember it as we probably were as, as a child or remember it as we sometimes are when we first go on a holiday and, and the world just seems more vivid and the days seem longer and every moment seems more vibrant and radiant. That when we see the world in that with fresh eyes, we innately sense the interconnectedness of life, of how life is. And so the practice then becomes of regularly developing that awareness and then bringing that into how we lead and operate in our businesses. Mm, beautiful. When you were talking, Giles, um, I had this vision just now, and I just want to bring this in and see how this sits with you because I'm imagining all that beautiful nature that you have right there. You said you, you have a new space with lots of nature. I can imagine. So when you were talking about nature and then just seeing the world with these new eyes, I also saw the energetic of being out in nature, like laying on the ground, being with the trees and having 
our energetic system attuned with that vibrational frequency of the earth, of the planet, of nature all around us. Like that is a part of that breakthrough. We know that is a part of what heals us as well. You know, we remember our wholeness when we're that interconnected with nature. Are you are you aware of any research that talks about that? And and what do you think about that vision that just came through when you're talking about this breakthrough of consciousness that really we begin to attune with this higher vibrational frequency? Yeah, that's fundamentally what my my work is Um, in terms of research. uh, I mean, I I, what I tend to bring into the the nature um, immersions I do with leaders is quite quick. Uh, you have one has to feed the left brain hemisphere so people feel comfortable. One gives them some science and some research, and we do some embodiment practices so people are just doing stuff. But quite quickly, using techniques like qigong um, and um, breathing and being present in nature and deep listening, we can allow ourselves to open up. So our body mind shifts. And there's a lot of good research out there, award-winning biologists and neurobiologists like Candice Pert um, uh, have explored the whole body-mind as a psychosomatic network that actually opens up. And there's a lot of good research around flow these days as well, where we can show through simple exercises, we can balance our parasympathetic and sympathetic networks along with aligning our left and right brain hemispheres. So we start opening up and we allow the inner and outer to, to, to start attuning as well as that masculine and feminine within inside ourselves. So it's that rebalancing that I mentioned earlier starts happening through simple practices in nature. Now, what I'm, I've always been conscious of is whilst I, I engage people with trees, I do quite a lot of work with trees. We have quite a lot of ancient trees here in the woodland. And um, I've noticed how leaders have a quite a profound experience when we're in the right state of mind during the day and ask them to share how they're experiencing that. And I notice how their voice um, comes from a very different place within inside themselves. And they are coherent. As you say, they are flowing with the energy of the earth and the sky and the universe. And they are therefore aligning to their actual soul purpose. Um, mm. And that is the beginnings of enabling them to become next stage regenerative leaders. When they start coming from that place, they don't need a purpose statement out there. Um, We don't need to have a a consultancy coming in to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds trying to articulate our purpose statement because we can start sensing it. And then we can bring that into groups of teams within the organization and allow something much deeper to come. Um, Now, it doesn't mean to say that we still don't need to articulate a good brand. We do. Um, But it comes from a deeper place, a much more authentic place that is then lived by the way in which we are engaging. And the evidence I'm finding around electromagnetism that you find within trees and within woodland and in natural spaces generally, I think goes a long way to enrich a lot of the other evidence around forest bathing, um, around just being in nature and how that aligns us and encourages flow, creativity, changes our cardiovascular, reduces our chance of cancer, heart disease, um, opens us up, makes us more empathic. All of that evidence is there. Um, the electromagnetic evidence that's just coming on because our instruments are only just becoming sophisticated enough to measure them, when that evidence comes into more the mainstream, I think that'll help us shift um, into really sensing the interconnectedness of what goes on. Um, you have the mycelium underneath your feet in the soil. You have the bacteria through the air, all interconnecting and sharing uh, information. You have the trees themselves um, alive 
um, and sharing information. We can show that through radioactivity. And then you also have these electromagnetic waves that are emanating from our own hearts, very powerful electromagnetic um, reverberators, receivers and transmitters. And then you have these trees and you have nature and the ensemble all around us. So what happens in that environment is we're just opening up to how life really is. And that allows us to then start thinking more effectively and bringing a different quality of consciousness to our solutions, whether that be a more life-affirming organization, a more purposeful proposition, or whether it be how do we really deal with climate change in an effective way. Mm. You're painting a beautiful picture, and I'm looking forward to expanding on this this whole idea that you're bringing to us, Giles. We need to take a break, and um, I just want to say before we do that your sense of balance, the balance in your voice, Giles, and um, the information that you're bringing through is so integral and balanced with, I'm uh, like I'm, I'm thinking of the um, the left brain, right brain, the inner, the outer. You're speaking from that place of wholeness, and I can feel it as you every word, your descriptions, you're bringing it through. So congratulations on that. I think it's an amazing gift for all of us to really tune into to that and understand this value of of everything you're bringing through, but especially this conversation about nature and getting back to, to nature. So we do need to take a break. You're listening to the Dr. Julie show, all things connected. We're here with Giles Hutchins talking about regenerative leadership. And when we return, there'll be so much more. We'll be right back. Listening to Empower Radio, an entire radio station devoted to your personal development, expanding your conscious awareness, and empowering positive change. Meet our hosts and listen online at empowerradio.com, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, or download the Empower Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. It's free in the App Store, and it lets you listen to our shows and podcasts on demand. Empowering people, empowering change. Empower Radio, online at empowerradio.com. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Begin by finding a comfortable, relaxed position. Let out whatever stress is in your body. It could be from the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes. Or when you donated her private diary to the public library. Or when you thought chaperoning the school dance meant actually dancing in the school dance. Whatever it is, let it go. The fire you started with that experimental dinner, let it go. The time you drove away from the gas pump, with the gas pump, let it go. Three, very relaxed. Two, there you go. One. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. 
Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Positively uplifting. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page. All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of different ways you can do that. You can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. We are here today with the author of Regenerative Leadership. That's Giles Hutchins. You can find out more about Giles' work and so much more about this book, as well as all the other amazing projects and books and things that he's done. Look for Giles at two different websites here I'm going to share with you. First, GilesHutchins.com, and the second, TheNatureOfBusiness.org. Again, that's GilesHutchins.com or TheNatureOfBusiness.org. Ah, Giles, uh, I, I could listen to you all day, and I have um, a favorite quote from the book that I want to read for our listeners, and it's really funny. So the story of me gathering this quote, I'm reading your book, I'm enjoying every word, and highlighting, and when I highlight a book, and there's lots of yellow ink on the page, I, you know I'm into it, and there's like a lot, but I get to this paragraph, and I am like, highlighting and I stop and I pause and I get my pen to write in the margin because I want to make sure I come back to this paragraph. And afterwards I write my note. I, afterwards I go on to read. And the very next thing was you asking the reader to read that paragraph again. (laughs) And so you probably know what paragraph it is, but I just thought it was so funny that here I am going, this paragraph is so important and I got to come back to it. And then you said, stop and read this paragraph again, read this next sentence, um, this past sentence, this past paragraph again. So anyway, it's, it's a great 
paragraph. Are you ready for me to read it, Giles? Yeah, go for it, Julie. Okay, I'd rather hear it in your voice, but I'm going to read it because I have it queued up right here. You wrote, people don't want to work in bureaucratic, soul-sapping organizations. They want to be in an environment that is creative, exciting, empowering, purposeful, and passionate. People want leaders who want to achieve more than just profit, but also a positive difference. People want to feel a meaningful connection with the value they create during their workday, rather than feeling like lost corporate cogs enslaved in the monolith of machine mentality. People want to reconnect with their inner nature and work in soulful organizations that enhance life. Brilliant paragraph. Giles, why do you tell people to stop and read that again? Well, because often people, when we discuss regenerative leadership, um, the, the natural thing with any any kind of new stage is to kind of buffer up against it and say, well, it, it won't work, or we can't do this, or it won't work here, or why should we want to do this, or this is a this is some utopia, but it's not going to work um, because they're kind of all kind of resistances that we kind of come up with, and I suppose what we're saying in that paragraph is why wouldn't we want to do this? <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's a no brainer. In fact, it shows us the, the bizarre situation we've got ourselves in where we actually think it's normal um, to work in jobs that undermine us um, and that aren't even helping society. They're destroying society that aren't even helping life. They're un, 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 unweaving the very fabric of life that we all depend on. Now, no one I don't believe ended up setting out to 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 try and do that. And I, and the many of the people I've, I've worked in business now for over 25 years, and I've met many, many, the vast majority of people I've met are good-hearted people wanting to try and make some change in their own lives and in the people around them. Um, so it's not that we signed up to get involved in businesses that were inherently, uh, inherently damaging life and carcinogenic to ourselves. So I think we just need to just remind ourselves sometimes, look, guys, what we're talking about here is just sensible, quite frankly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about that milieu that's created when you literally pay attention to what people want, that purposeful, empowering, exciting environment. Um, I can't. I, I can't imagine anything negative coming out of it. It's like you become this natural force for good when everybody's on board with that purposeful mission. Yeah. I mean, what I would say here, and I think it's important um, to add um, that th th this shift that we're talking about is messy. So um, we don't one minute work in a soul sapping organization and the next minute um, everything's you know, sweet bed of roses. That's not, we don't want to portray that in any way. The journey towards wholeness that you talk about so well in your work is full of all sorts of healing, um, dark nights of the souls, uh, challenges, fearful ruptures. And so there are organizations. My co-author, Laura, was just telling me the other day of an organization in Denmark uh, where she's from, that, you know, the, the CEO totally up for, um, you know, more life-affirming organizations doing some great work to transform the culture, which 
you know, you would have thought everybody would have wanted. And yet there was a groundswell of people who actually felt that being encouraged to be more authentic, to bring more of themselves to work, to reveal, um, to engage in deep listening, to engage in practices that enable us to become, to share more, more in a more whole way, actually they felt uncomfortable by that. They actually felt that they wanted to be just, just, go to work, do the job, go home. Mm. And it reminds me of the film, The Matrix, powerful film, when that chap, um, do you remember who the one who sells in um, all of his guys, he was living on the other side of the matrix in quite a rough condition. And he just wanted to go back to the illusion, eating steaks, hanging out with beautiful people, um, living in the consumer world. He didn't want to be dealing with all the challenges and pitfalls of the journey towards whole, towards reality, um, which is full of actually looking at our own shadow and working on ourselves. Um, and, and, and I find this in my own work, my own personal journey, and a lot of the coaching work I do with leaders who are going through uh, significant transformations. Often people on the journey say, oh my God, I just want to go back. This is so hard this way. Now I know that I can't go back now because I know too much. I can't go back to just living blindly um, uh, in the illusion. And yet this is so hard because we bash against it. We bash against our own ego. And of course we're in a society that is kind of trying to make it sort of easy for us just to find happiness through buying a new pair of shoes or something. Whereas actually, um, so for an organization to go through this change from a soul sapping to a soul enriching organization, I do not want to convey as some form of easy journey. It's not. And yet it is very much aligned to life itself. Yes. And yet it's essential as well. So, yeah, you. The, the book is dedicated to kind of taking us on that journey and, and helping leaders really understand. You talk about the DNA. And one of the things that, that you talk about is that regenerative leaders create the conditions for organizations to become more agile, emergent, and systemically attuned. They, we create the conditions for regenerative business and regenerative life. So what are those conditions and how do we as leaders, create those conditions? Mm -hmm. Well, what we, I think a powerful way of looking at living systems, uh, looking at, at how life works, is through this sort of tension that I love to explore with, with people, because I think it's quite easy for people to get, um, and yet there's a lot to it. It's a simple kind of tension um, of divergence and convergence. So if you could imagine a river flowing with two banks, one bank is divergence and the other bank is convergence. So on the divergent side, we have, if you move towards that bank of the river or more, more towards divergent, you open up, things become more creative. You celebrate diversity more. You have different perspectives. You have more age, creed, culture, and gender, and all of that in, in an ecosystem. And a human organization or natural ecosystem brings all sorts of diversity with it. And which brings its own resilience and vibrancy. And yet too much of that can become chaotic. And so you need to balance that with convergence. And this is the tension that we hold. We see life is just full of these tensions. And what we need to learn to do with these tensions is play music, like tuning a guitar string rather than polarizing them into 
right and wrong or, or evil and, and, and good. But actually, we need to recognize that there's a, a wisdom within them. And how do we play into that wisdom? And so convergence is more bringing things together, is more binding, is more aligning, is more uh, getting around certain uh, particular perspectives. Now, traditionally, in the world of separation, and still dominant today, that has come through power-based hierarchies control for patriarchy, ego explosion, militarized mind, all sorts of reasons. We have found it easier to just go, you know what, get the job done. Um, we're going to do that. We've made a decision, and that's the way we're going to do it. And of course, what happens then is you undermine the divergence. You undermine the diversity. And before you know it, you have these monocultural organizations we were just talking about. No one means to create them, but it's just that we think, well, we've got to get the job done. It's such a volatile world. We've got to have quick, effective um, decision-making, and the best way to do that is through a power-based hierarchy. But actually, in nature, what we find is when we have disseminated decision-making, like we have in, in the woods, um, like we have in, in a self-organizing human culture, and we also have in, in cities, cities are actually quite emergent, um, and we can have in, 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 in organizations, is that when the teams themselves are empowered, when they have divergence, diversity of perspective, they can also have convergence, not through power-based hierarchies, but through a sense of purpose. And this is where a sense of purpose is really important within an organization or a team, because that can let us uh, liberate us from the power and control hierarchies, yet still give us that convergence. And when we have this, when we play that sweet spot of divergence and convergence, when we allow that tension to sing, we create emergence. And emergence is how life unfolds. And so how we create emergence in our lives is by embracing the ever-changing nature of life. If we just think for a moment, every moment is different. Every day is different. Every sunset, every sunrise, every conversation, every person, every cell in our body, every snowflake, they're all different. world is full of this immense, ever-changing capacity. It's quite awe-inspiring, and it's full of energy. And we can surf into that through emergence. And that is how life creates the conditions conducive to life. It's constantly unfolding and unfurling all the time. It's only ourselves that try and control that and think, oh, we've got, you know, I've got to, you know, we get caught in Groundhog Day. And when we under start undermining our own diversity, our own divergence, and our own sense of purpose. Mm. Thank you, Giles. I like that takes me into your principles of the logic of life, like listening to you talk about that. And that you have a whole chapter on this convergence, divergence and emergence. You have. All, oh, I'm going to pause here. Let me just break from this conversation for a moment to let our leaders, our leaders, our listeners, our friends out there, our leaders that are listening know about this book. Giles, it's incredible. It's in full color, like in 2020, very rarely will you pick up a manuscript of this power and possibility that's incredibly full, and it's in full color with diagrams. So how did you pull this off? It's, it's incredible. 
Well, um, <laughs> Laura and I always felt the book should be beautiful. Um, and and I, I have to take my hat off to my co-author, really. She um, has a better eye for these things than I do. Um, we were very lucky on the journey to meet some allies, some soul friends. And there was an organization, the CEO of who I I know well. She's a lovely lady, Jane Mayland, who who runs Mayled, who runs a um, an organisation called True Story. They they create stories and, and brands and purpose uh, for organisations. And they very kindly, they were so supportive of our work, kindly provided. You know, we provided Laura provided a lot of the designing of the um, of the pages. Um, actually, True Story free out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, created a lot of the uh, of the look and feel that you see the images. So a combination of Laura's good eye, uh, me and her designing the um, the um, images and the and the models, and true story out of the kindness of their heart, uh, producing it. Beautiful. Well, I have to tell you, it really works. It is beautiful. It feels beautiful. It has a, a, an incredible vibration to it as well, and the illustrations are so immensely helpful. So it's an easy book to read. I'm encouraging you all to go out and find this book, Regenerative Leadership. So what I was reminded of before I took my divergent path, Giles, was the the examples of the logic of life. And you have seven principles. And I'm afraid we're not going to have time to talk about all seven principles. But I'm especially tuned into the living systems field. And I love how you brought in the shamanic and scientific evidence that, that helps us understand this pervasive, this all pervasive field. And some call it the unified field of consciousness. Um, Jude Curvan writes about it a lot in her work. I would love to hear you just talk a little bit about the living systems field, if you would. Yeah, uh, the, as, as all the ancient uh, wisdom traditions world over and Germanic uh, traditions and modern science shows us there is a field that we are immersed within in this moment here now and um, just because we can't necessarily touch it with our uh, normal senses it's still full of energy and potential now it's a receptive field and so we in our body mind need to open up to it now, we're always aware of it at a subconscious, unconscious level, but bringing our conscious minds into awareness of it is where the real magic happens. Now, what we talk about in the book is activating our supernature, where through simple practices that we talk about in the book, we can bring what Carl Jung referred to as our four ways of knowing, intuitive, rational, emotional, and somatic intelligences within inside ourselves. We can bring them together so we can tap in to the field. So I refer to those different intelligences as like elements within nature. So air, the rational mind, uh, intuition, fire, um, emotional intelligence, water, and the embodied somatic awareness is earth. And when we bring those four elements, when we alchemize those four elements within our body mind through simple practices in nature, we cross a threshold and we open up to the fifth element, which is the akasha, the field, the ground, of all being that we're always aware of but when we open up to it when we open our conscious mind our ego awareness up to it then we sense uh, an enlivening 
we actually might notice our left and right nostrils balancing, our left and right brain hemispheres and ears opening up. And what happens is we gain heart coherence. So we can show with electrodes over our body mind that the brain waves in our head start entraining themselves with the deeper waves of the heart. And when that happens, we're in flow. We have that emergence that I talk about. And so we open up naturally to the logic of life. And this is something that we've always been able to do as human beings. And I would argue perhaps for much of our human history, we were more naturally in it. And through our journey of separation, we've tuned ourselves out of it. And now we're starting to reconnect to it again. And the great work of depth psychologists, um, integral psychologists, um, uh, cosmologists like Jude Kuravan and Irvin Laszlo, and scientists like um, Albert Einstein and Max Planck have all really been helping uncover this innate interconnectedness that we can now tune back into. Mm. And you do a brilliant job of of bringing that into a summary and and really opening the reader to this. And there's so much more to this book. And um, wow, I just intuitively opened to this photo page 158 it's incredible and shows all these incredible pictures of life unfolding and it's so beautiful this book is amazing so giles in two minutes or less if you can is there anything more you really want to share with our listeners about regenerative leadership that we didn't have an opportunity to talk about and we didn't have an opportunity to talk about a lot we're going to have to bring you back on and and continue the conversation well, I think it would be perhaps uh, fitting to um, end on the four-letter word love, um, which ends in L and ends uh, begins in L and ends in E, just like life. Um, really, all of this is about opening up and having a much greater uh, capacity to love ourselves, to love each other, and to love life. And that is a threshold crossing, which is immensely rejuvenating in these times of stress, distraction, dis-ease. Um, really, being a, becoming a regenerative leader is about building the capacity um, for our organizations to come alive um, through, through love and for our societies to actually start solving the solutions that, that we now face through a systemic way rather than getting caught up on a reductive way. So essentially, the whole book really is making a case for falling back in love with life. Beautiful. And there you have it. You proved my point. Once again, the balance that comes through your voice right there was head and heart. We've had a beautiful conversation, lots of head with the data that that you brought through today but there's the heart and what a better way to there's no better way to leave this conversation with that thank you giles thank you for being here and sharing your genius with all of our listeners today well thank you julie thank you very much as always yes and i want to leave you with some words from the book regenerative leadership true leadership is about realizing that the current way no longer works and it's time to move on to a new way. True leadership is about daring to cross the threshold from the old to the new, even without having all the answers before you embark on the journey. 
Our future needs each of us to begin the regenerative leadership journey, not next year, but now. This journey can be deeply satisfying and wildly exciting, as it's the journey of living and leading from the heart in service to all life. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I am sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.